Last week, a measure that would have provided $2 billion for homelessness programs is likely to fail to meet a two-thirds threshold needed to pass. Oddly enough, one of Measure C's biggest opponents was a well-known homeless advocate, Michael McConnell. He argued that the measure, which included a convention center expansion and money for roads, was too vague when it came to solving homelessness. Today is Monday, March 9th. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Gary Worth, you're part of the public safety team at the Union-Tribune, and you cover issues surrounding homeless people. And perhaps one of the most biggest homeless stories recently is that of Measure C, as homeless funding was tied to that measure. When it comes to Measure C, how did it get defeated? Hey, Daniel, it got defeated um, because uh, it required a two-thirds vote, and as of today, it's not quite there. So it's frustrating for the people who are supporters because... It clearly got the majority of votes, but it just has not made the threshold. It's like maybe a you know less than two percent away the last time we looked, and uh, there wasn't any organized opposition to it except uh, one guy who was campaigning, and that guy was Michael McConnell, who, uh, in what people may see as an ironic campaign, he had Michael McConnell is a homeless advocate who's often complained about the city not doing enough or uh, the homeless population, and he was the biggest opponent, uh, spending uh, almost $400,000 of his own money to try to defeat a measure that would have perhaps generated $2 billion for homeless services over the next four decades. And what were his main arguments as to why Measure C wasn't good enough to help solve the homelessness crisis in San Diego? He thought that it really wasn't going to make uh, uh, generate enough money to be, as he called it, be a game changer in the city, that it wasn't that much of an impact uh, as far as what uh, they would be, um, you know, generating for uh, homelessness as opposed to what they're already spending. Um, And on top of that, he said there's a lot of money that's going to be coming from the state and from from the federal government on homeless programs. And he is right about that. There's a lot of talk about uh, a lot more money coming. But he he also thought that, you know, it's like if we're going to do this, we should do it right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if we pass something that uh, just is tagged on to what its real intent was, as he saw it, was to expand the convention center, uh, then uh, if we ever want to do something like this again, people are going to be kind of burnt out on it. They're going to say, didn't we already vote for something that was going to bring $2 billion to help homeless people? I don't know if I'm going to vote for that again. So he saw that as like uh, we would just have homeless fatigue among voters if, uh, you know, if this didn't, you know, do as much as they thought. And also he thought it was full of loopholes. He thought that it wouldn't bring as much or it wouldn't guarantee that it would bring as much. And finally, he thought that there was no guarantee about how it would be spent. He thought maybe they'd be, you know, spending it on studies and, you know, administrative things and on other things and not on providing housing. Yeah, that's one thing that Measure C is kind of, you know, haunted by ghosts of the past because it seems like every election there's some kind of thing on the ballot that says we're going to expand the convention center, also these other things. And especially for people who vote every election, I could see how that fatigue would settle in and eventually people just start saying no. I mean, clearly this was closer than it has in the past, but 
that fatigue is probably there, particularly among, you know, parts of the city that are more affluent. And I believe I saw a map that the, the areas that voted most against it were kind of in the northern parts of the city, which makes sense. Right. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, was part of his concerns. Mm hmm. So when it comes to the homeless advocate, what does he see as the best way to solve homeless? What's kind of his credo, I suppose? You know, that's a good question. Uh, he uh, is, uh, you know, often uh, critical of the city not doing enough. Uh, but he's, he has said, we don't have a plan. Uh, but now they do have a plan, uh, though. They, you know, in the city anyway, they, they have the uh, homeless action plan uh, that was created last year. Uh, he said he's glad to see that they, they do have a plan. Uh, it's just like a guy that want, kind of holds uh, their feet to their fire, uh, feet to the fire of, um, of elected officials and city planners. And, you know, he wants to you know be the guy that is hounding them to say, you know, you, you should be following best practices. Uh, you know, he, uh, one of the reasons he became um, like an outside advocate as opposed to, you know, when he was working within the system, he said, was that he, he's, he was going to conventions and he thought that the city wasn't following the best practices. And at the time, they, uh, the city still had a lot of transitional housing, which uh, would be housing that is like for a limited period of time and he thought they, you know, overall, you know, throughout the country, there was a move away from that while San Diego hadn't really moved away from it yet. And he saw that as an example of, of them not following best practices. Uh, and he would rather see them bringing uh, permanent supportive housing with wraparound services to, you know, make sure that people are not only housed, but the issues that are related to their homelessness are addressed so that they would overcome homelessness for instance. So that's one of the reasons why he kind of became an, an outsider and just someone who's pushing them to just follow best practices. Mm -hmm. Because it does seem like one of the biggest contributing factors to homelessness in San Diego is the fact that there aren't any SROs and finding an apartment that's affordable, especially on the lower end of the scale, is incredibly difficult. So it kind of pushes the point of no return of homelessness you know, further along the social economic scale, in a sense. Right. Of course, there are still SROs, but uh, they're, um, you know, usually full. And we've just lost another one uh, with the Plaza Hotel uh, closing. And that was one of the, the bigger ones. Uh, and to get into an SRO, uh, a lot of them, like the, uh, the Golden West, you've got to, you know, put a deposit down and you've got to, I think, commit to a few months uh, there so it's not like you can check in overnight so instead of a lot of people will when they do get like an uh 91 dollar whatever for social security mm -hmm. uh check they'll uh they'll check in a motel so they have a bed for a while i've known homeless people do that you know, they'll spend a week or two in, in a motel but then they're back in their car or they're on the street because you know it's you know, even though there are SROs uh, and other affordable housing, it's hard to get into them. So, you know, we just need more places to put people. That's what everyone says. Mm -hmm. And any barrier like that just kind of pushes people away, which further compounds the problem when it comes to homelessness. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, because, you know, we've gotten a lot of people off the street and into bridge shelters. Uh, 
bridge uh, means this is a bridge between you living on the street and getting into permanent housing. Mm-hmm. That those people have, have been staying longer than you know they originally thought, because there's not an easy solution to you know where they're going to go. They're you know they're opening new places. Father Joe's just did a, a groundbreaking on uh, a big new facility, but that will be open in, in a couple of years. Uh, so there's there's a lot of work, but there's still a lot of people that are in shelters, a lot of people that can't even get into shelters. Mm-hmm. And now that this measure, barring a complete surprise, uh, hasn't you know made it so far, what's the next steps for McConnell? What is he planning on doing in the coming year to continue to advocate for the homeless and also provide solutions that aren't being you know sought after by the city? Well, immediately after, uh, you know, the election, uh, the the coronavirus became a a new issue with him. And he even thought he might take a little time off, uh, you know, but uh, this is the new thing that that he's jumped on. And uh, I was working on a story today about what the city's response to the coronavirus is there. You know, they had a meeting with some homeless uh, you know, providers today, uh, but uh, they haven't done that much yet to go out and interact with uh, with the homeless community. Or thankfully, there hasn't been an outbreak like there was with Hep A among the homeless community. Or you know, it's like we don't have you know an outbreak in San Diego County yet. Uh, or I should say, yet I hope we don't have one mm-hmm. at all. But um, you know, I was out with. Uh, with Michael McConnell on Friday, we were walking up to homeless people and asking them if they knew about the coronavirus. And some people hadn't heard of it. Uh, so we haven't done a good job of getting the word out to those people. And those people might be more vulnerable than a lot of people because we're told to constantly wash your hands while, you know, uh, you whenever you touch anything and they don't have a way to wash their hands. So. You know, McConnell was actually trying to hand out hand sanitizers to people, and he couldn't because, like a lot of people, he couldn't find them. He's a one-man show. He's got Mm -hmm. a trunk that's full of stuff to give out to people, but, you know, he doesn't think that uh, there's been a better, uh, a good enough response than the city to go out and deliver hand sanitizers to people. And he was trying to do it himself, and he couldn't. I hear, I heard today that... um, there is going to be an, um, you know, outreach crews that are going to be, uh, you know, going out and doing just that, though. Uh, but it hasn't happened yet, and I saw it on, on Friday. That, so he's the first guy that's out there trying trying to do it, and he said he's going to be, um, you know, pushing the city and the county to to do more on this because he thinks that this is the next big issue that that he wants to work on. Hopefully, that's it won't be an issue that never becomes any kind of crisis, uh, but he just is pushing for them to stay on top of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's worth noting that uh, perhaps the situation in King County, Washington is a kind of a warning in which areas where a lot of people are together are really the most dangerous for coronavirus. So if this were to get into a shelter, it really could affect a lot of people's lives just because of this disease's incubation period and also how it's spread. It could be a terrible situation if it were to get there. 
Yeah, and that's what they're looking at now. It's like contingency plans on what if there is somebody that is um, infected in a shelter. Uh, should there be evacuation? Should there be uh, quarantine? And I understand that that was part of the discussion today about what to do. And there hasn't been an announcement yet about what they're going to. Uh, I hope by the time people hear this, there will have been some kind of a, an announcement and we'll have a better idea about all the plans that that are in place but you know there definitely has been a lot of talk about um, you know just how the county should respond and they're getting around to you know focusing on the homeless population and that's what michael mcconnell was obviously uh, very concerned about that um, we we don't want another hep a situation where people are are dying on the street and this could be a way that it would spread even more likely, uh, you know, if a number of homeless people were, were, um, you know, spreading it because they ride the bus, uh, you know, they have jobs, uh, they're out and about just like any anybody else, and and it and it could be a concern. But again, you know, that's that's what McConnell's working on now is trying to, you know, address that and just what should we do about it. Mm-hmm. That's one thing the coronavirus is really showing, just the the depths of inequities in the. U.S. healthcare system and, you know, people who have access to care and people who don't. And things could easily get worse if things don't turn out on the side of good luck. Right. Yeah. So my latest article on, on this was actually just focusing on on, uh, on Michael McConnell himself as people were, you know, it's like, you know, why, who is this guy? We've never really... Uh, just did a profile on on him, so he um, gave me some of his time, and like I said, I hung out with him a bit on on Friday. We went to a couple of places where he was interacting with homeless people, specifically talking with them about the uh, about the virus, and um, and we sat down and talked a little bit more about his life, and I was able to know a little bit more about who he is as a person and what kind of you know things had motivated him to to do this. And that was the story that we had today. Mm-hmm. And what was his reason to become this advocate? Because, you know, everyone wants to do good things in their lives, but it's strange to have someone who goes the extra mile and actually puts their money where their mouth is, you know? Yeah, there was not any one thing that made him want to pick homelessness. A lot of people see it as a problem and it's very visible. And he's just like everybody else. Like, what could I do to, to help? And he had resources and he had the time to do it. So he started going downtown and he started uh, talking with some homeless people. And then he got involved in some projects, started going to conventions. And he uh, was involved in something called um, 25 Cities uh, a few years ago, where he would go to, you know, be, to DC with some people and would go to conferences. And the 25 cities were 25 communities that had like 39% of homeless veterans in the nation. Mm-hmm. And, and he thought that they were doing um, you know, uh, a good job in San Diego of reducing the veterans homeless population. Uh, he became a member of the regional task force on the homeless. Uh, and um, back then there, there was uh, a continuum of care and regional task force on the homeless and uh they've since merged and it's just called the task force now the regional task force on the homeless um 
but um, as he explained this to me, that uh, it kind of got handed off the Project 20, I mean, um, 25 Cities initiative to the continuum of care. And he thought that they kind of just dropped it and um, while he had done a lot of work. And that was one of the reasons he, you know, uh, thought that he might work better as an outsider than working inside. And, mm -hmm. and then there was like, um, he, he knows, he remembers specifically the day that it happened. It was uh, like, we just had the anniversary of it. It was March 7th, 2016. And at that time he said that he saw abatement signs up around the city that uh, police were going to, and city crews were going to clear out uh, sidewalks. Um, you know, of, um, you know, encampments that, that people have. And he said he never saw so many at, at one time. And he was particularly concerned because it was right before we were supposed to have a, a big rainstorm. And he thought, they're not going to really do this, are they? And they did. And since then, he has gone out. And he, the, the thing that he he's really known for also, uh, you know, is his uh, Facebook page and his Twitter account. And and he's just goes out and he videotapes, uh, you know, police encounters with with homeless people, and sometimes people getting arrested or um, you know being told to to move along, and then uh, that spurred him to go speak out against what he says is the criminalization of homelessness. And he'll go to committee meetings, board meetings, and he'll be the person talking uh, to boards and saying, "You're doing it wrong," you know, uh, but. He's also pretty thoughtful, and I've mm -hmm. never seen him really lose his temper. Uh, and I've seen that with people. I've seen people raise their voice. He has some sharp words for elected officials sometimes, and and he'll say, you know, it's like there you go again. You know, it's like this is just like the city, and you know, he'll he'll be very critical. Um, but he's also can be really polite uh, to people. I've I've seen him talk one on one with people, and again, it needs not one to, to lose his temper, but he's not one to hold back on what he has to say either. Mm -hmm. It seems like the biggest difference between him and many others is that while others may have the tendency to turn away and kind of ignore homelessness, he forces people to look at it kind of straight in the face. Uh, yeah, and he, you, whatever you think of him, you can't say that he's not out there uh, on the street. And he is out on, you know, before dawn, uh, he's, he's out talking to people he's out documenting what's going on um and he's he's not one to really seek media exposure mm -hmm. actually um you know he he doesn't call me to say this is what's going on but i will call him because i'll ask him what's going on because he's often the guy that knows and he's out there or ask him an opinion on on something and uh and he's also the guy that's always out there with a trunk full of stuff to that he thinks that people need. And uh, and it's not like somebody that it's like once a year goes out or once a month uh, and hands out sandwiches to people. He um, actually sits down and talks with them and find out what their issue is. And you know, it's amazing when you do that, when you talk to people and you hear their stories about how they became homeless. Uh, sometimes you, you don't hear the same story over and over again. You you hear individual stories that are heartbreaking and you know and they're frustrating uh, and he's frustrated because it's like why are these people still out on on the street uh and you know some of them they really need help and 
you know, it's like, and they have their challenges and it's not an easy answer. Um, but he's, uh, he is someone that really does have a lot of compassion for them. Uh, and also someone who's going to admit he doesn't have every answer, uh, to, uh, but he's, he's driven you know, like people will be very critical of him. They'll be very critical of, of him. Um, you know, it's like always just being a naysayer on things, trying to shoot down, um, a measure that would have funded homeless programs. Um, but at the same time, you know, people will recognize that he's not a hypocrite. You know, he's, he's, mm-hmm. is out there, uh, trying to help, you know, and, and, you know, doing what he what he can, and he doesn't have a background in this. He doesn't. He never went to college. He's not a social worker. Uh, he's uh, was a business owner, and he did well. And you know, coin dealing, not even related to anything that is in this field. Uh, but it just became a passion with him. This is a story that just doesn't end. Uh, there'll be more and more stories. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, and not just on the coronavirus. Uh, hope that doesn't. Um, escalate even to um, you know more serious stories, but we're going to keep following that. Uh, but we got a long way to go before, uh, as you know, we turn the corner on addressing the homeless issue. Uh, yeah, and it is encouraging that there is a lot of talk, there's a lot of action, there's a lot of money that's that is being spent. Um, there's just not a lot of simple answers. Although some people they think that they have simple answers, but uh, I'm always cautious about the the people who are saying, if you just listen to me, we can get this thing solved. That's usually the person who doesn't know what's going on, because uh, it's a very complex issue. All right. Gary Worth, thank you so much. Hey, thank you. In other news, San Diego County has been largely untouched by the novel coronavirus compared to hard-hit areas like Seattle or Italy. But it is still having a ripple effect on our local economy and daily life. Several conferences have been canceled, which will be felt in the city's hotel and tourism industries. After South by Southwest cancellation, it's possible that Coachella or Stagecoach could be canceled as well. Amid increased testing, it is likely the number of cases in the country and in the region are going to increase. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix, which goes live weekday evenings. If you also like your news in your email inbox, we've got you covered. You can sign up for breaking news, top headlines, business, sports, entertainment, watchdog, caregiving, and more. We've also got Boletines en Español, plus emails for Pacific Magazine, and a host of community newspapers. Just go to unionship.com newsletters. Until next time.